Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Ani Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three part spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism. Give it all a good hard shake and pour. Dress it with the olives of grace and empathy. Sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini. The show that tries to sort out what's true what's woo and what gets flushed down the loo in today's some folks are excited about world war three perhaps we should send them to the front line or to the dead sea the same folks refuse to believe government corruption i guess the truth bombs are for them an inconvenient interruption i told you mass immigration was a planned invasion was it over persuasion or did you misread the entire equation? Less than sensible, on occasion reprehensible, strange, bizarro little world. As always, my darlings, we try to do this with as much dignity and decorum as can be mustered on any given day. We are not always successful, I'll admit to that, but we are honor bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love the odd shot now and then. Oh, yes, we do. In fact, let me take a moment and sample today's drinky-poo and see if it's a winner or a sinner. Hold on, folks. Don't go away. Sipping is happening. Mmm. Mmm. Ooh, that is a very pleasant surprise. Mmm, yummy, yummy. It's a new type of martini and more about that toward the end of the show. You know, darlings, don't judge me. You know, this is metaphysical martini, the place where the Holy Spirit meets top shelf distilled spirits. And what a glorious combination that is. If you're joining us for the very first time, a warm welcome to you. Be advised, this show is politically incorrect so as not to erode the intellect. Martini heads are simple folk. We honor common sense, common decency, and common courtesy. If you are woke, closed-minded, and believe in the illusionary powers of the death poke, our content, um, spirit-centered and humorous though it is, will most likely offend you. So if you're married to your point of view and only your point of view, go with God and peace be with you. Today is November the 8th, 2023, and we're in the midst of the era of chaos and confusion, the great reveal and the great awakening happening all around us. 
So looking back in my notes, my first martini um, podcast, not my first martini, but my first martini podcast aired on Cosmic Reality Radio in July 2019. And I've had a blast with it ever since. But I think it's time to make a couple of changes. Over the years, I've enjoyed bringing you Plato Chips, which was our philosophy segment, the Mystic Cryptic, which was the Holy Roller segment, the Wizard's Gizzard, our daily rituals that you can make habitual, tarot, a go, go, and a few other little weird thingy-boos. But, you know, after four years, let's shake things up a little bit, shall we? Let's do something a little bit different. And let's make the content more relevant to the current era of insanity, vanity, and inhumanity. Of course, we're going to continue with quack, questions, answers, and comments, because that is and always will be the meat of the show, the prime rib of the podcast. It's an opportunity for you, the people, to share your pleasure and displeasure in good measure. And we will continue with a tiny pat of poetry, sharing poems both serious and silly, mainly silly, usually very silly. And we will continue to throw in some weird and wacky tidbits from the anus of history. And after much discussion and dedicated deliberation with my multiple personalities, a decision was made to make Awesome American Civics a permanent fixture. So Awesome American Civics is the new secondary course of this podcast. And what is civics, you ask? It is the branch of political science that deals with civic affairs and the rights and duties of citizens. The science of civil government, the principles of government in their application to society. Martini heads share a broad spectrum libertarian ideology. We believe, as did our founders and framers, that small government is best for we the people. And I am happy to discuss all aspects of what that means in the weeks to come. And I want to dedicate this segment to the spirit of Ben Franklin, my favorite founder, because he was a genius and he was a patriot and he was rather weird. And that is, in my book, a winning combination. So that's what we have for you today. Questions, answers, comments, silly poetry, awesome American civics, and of course, we will always have the daily cocktail because the show is called Metaphysical Martini and I happen to be quite fond of cocktails. Before we hit the ground running, um, well, gently sauntering in my case, let me take a moment to thank the people who made intergalactic distribution of this show possible. Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon, Washington. It matters not if you are a metaphysician, a beautician, or a mechanic working on your transmission. Mystical Wares has all the tools you need to bring your magical plans to fruition. All you have to do is make it through their door, and I guarantee your jaw will hit the floor. What's that you say? Oh, you live too far away. No need to have a coronary occlusion. I have the perfect solution. Go to mysticalwares.com and order over the internet. Mystical Wares, Mount Vernon, Washington. Online or on location, you'll be sure to give them a standing ovation. And jolly lovely people they are too. And now, my darlings, it is time for quack. Questions, answers and comments. <laughs> 
If you would like to share the contents of your overactive minds with martini heads across the known universe, send your emails to me, Arnie Abadissian. No, it's not really, is it? It's Arnie at ArnieAbadissian.com. Arnie at ArnieAbadissian.com. Or if you want to do the snail mail thing, send your missives to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, USA. And don't forget to let me know if and how you wish to be identified, or I will refer to you as omit personal details. So let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and see what pops out. Shaky, 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 shaky. What's in here? Let's give it a little smushy thing there. Ah, all right, let's do this. So our first uh, missive is a postcard from Lauren. And the postcard is from Santa Cruz, California. I'm not sure if you're visiting or if you live there, but Lauren asks, Will the black swan rise or burn? What a cryptic message, Lauren. I assume you are referring to a black swan event and not to the black swan in Swan Lake, you know, the ballet, because I'm not a ballet fan, so I can't really help with that one. But if the event is what you are after, <clears throat> let's explain what that means, though, in case some of our listeners have no frame of reference for that. So how will I explain a black swan event? A black swan event is essentially a paradigm shifter, an unexpected event with global implications. 9-11 was a black swan. Major stock market crashes those are classified as black swans. World wars are black swans. You see, the consequences of these events are severe. And generally, the world is never the same after a black swan event. Things change. People are taken by surprise and have difficulty imagining how such a thing could have occurred without any forewarning. Now, of course, to those who know how the world works, all the clues are, well, they're hidden in plain view. For as long as we allow a handful of sociopaths to run our planet, black swan scenarios are inevitable, not unpredictable, but we don't always know the precise timing of the event. That we can't really predict. So these are events that seriously impact our daily lives. So going back to the September 11 attacks, the domestic terrorist attacks of 9-11 destabilized the entire world and definitely rewrote the nature of foreign policy in the United States. And it impacted our personal sovereignty, the cornerstone of our blessed American constitution. It also led to extreme market instability, um, you know, in the immediate aftermath, with the stock market lost, I think, more than a trillion dollars in value over the, the following couple of weeks. So, you know, Lauren, the black swan I believe you're referring to is the potential for a full-blown-out World War III. So, will the black swan rise or fall? 
All I can tell you for sure is that the black swan will swim. What I hope for is that it will also catch fire and drown while it swims. But as long as people refuse to understand the nature and mission of the dark establishment, for as long as we insist on believing we are divided by religion and party affiliations, a division that excites and delights the dark establishment, the black swan will swim again. Why are they call black swans? Um, you know, the, the birds. It's because of the birds. Nobody thought that black swans existed. They didn't know about them, but they were first spotted by some chap in Australia. Uh, he was actually an English naturalist. His name was John Lathan. John Lathan. And we're talking circa 1790s. And nobody except the Australian natives knew they existed before then. And they're still very rare. So black swan event, a rare and unexpected experience. Everyone is asking me, Arnie, how will this story end? How will this story, like I know, you know, I don't know. I know that in the long run, light trumps dark, but you know, I've given up trying to figure out, there's so much misinformation all over the place. Um, I don't know how the story will end, I really don't. So thanks for that. But let's take another letter now. And this is from Dean of no, uh, no location that he wants to share. And Dean says, <laughs> but no wonder I drink people when you send me these letters. The burning bush in the Bible. Moses was high on drugs. Prove me wrong. Well, well Dean, darling, I can't. And you're probably correct. Uh, so thanks for writing in. Um, <laughs> you know, years ago, back in the UK, I remember smoking an entire tie stick um, <laughs> over the course of a bank holiday. And believe me, I saw many a burning bush and some other weird things too. Um, I also ate an entire chocolate cake in one evening, uh, which is an unfortunate side effect of cannabis consumption. Um, it's called the munchies and it's not good for the waistline. Oh, Lord, those were the days. Uh, can't do any of that sort of thing anymore because, you know, I'm a grown up now, mostly. So here's another one. And this is from Colton in Biloxi, Mississippi. I love that word. Biloxi, Biloxi, Mississippi. And Colton says supermarket coupons are a form of mind control. People are obsessed with saving money but we should be obsessed with saving our souls. Well, thank you for that, Colton. I agree. He also goes on to say, I buy whatever I want to buy. 50 cents off is not an incentive for me. God will provide. And again, Colton, thank you for that. I agree. I have used coupons on occasion, but only if it was for something that I was going to purchase anyway. You know, I think along the same lines as Colton, if you want me to try your new product, give it to me for free and I'll write a review about it. But um, I'm not going to be conned at the checkout line. This whole trace and track and track and trace, whatever they call it, it really is the curse, isn't it, of the modern generation. Oh, I need a drink. Hold on. That didn't take long. Hold on. Mm. Sip slowly, Annie. You're a grown-up now. Okay, let's see what else is in the fishbowl. And this is a rather long letter. 
and it's from Jeanette, who lives in San Diego, California, and she asks, is our world focus with gold storage related to the fact that we were created here by Anunnaki as slaves to mine the gold for them and that they are going to return to collect all this gold? Wow, that is an interesting question, Jeanette from San Diego. Um, and I have to say, similar questions have come up in conversation uh, in groups when we've talked to our off-world friends. So, uh, while it is true that the first humans to step foot on our planet were, you know, in antiquity, from the Lyra constellation, and it is true they brought another race, um, the ancestors to the Neanderthals, to do quite a bit of mining for them. I doubt anyone from whatever we think the Anunnaki are, um, you know, if, uh, is betting on recovering a lost hoard of gold. Uh, and the original mining, it wasn't just gold, by the way. They mined minerals and other useful raw materials. Now, I don't discount that gold was revered in antiquity because of the importance given to it by the Lyrans. And of course, that sense of specialness was passed on through the next generations. But I think it has to do with the nature of gold itself, the high vibration it holds and how useful it is. Um, you know, it is chemically inert, isn't it? And non-allergenic. So I suspect the Lyrans wanted it for their aerospace industry. Um, it does lubricate me mechanical parts. It does conduct electricity. And if you line the inside of your spacecraft with it, it can protect the crew from heat and from radiation. And so it can be used in all sorts of electrical applications. And of course, it is shiny and lustrous and beautiful and appealing. Um, Shamans use it to conduct spiritual energy. Without doubt, gold rocks. And if you have any, um, hold on to it. <laughs> Jeanette, that was a really nice question. I like that people are thinking about these things, you know. So thanks for writing in on that one. It's a very good point to ponder. And pondering is a good thing. There's not enough pondering going on these days. So Jeanette also asked another question. Um, what are the snake and spider entities that inhabit humans after trauma? Okay, uh, our realm enjoys a wide variety of life, uh, physical and non-physical. I categorize these entities under assorted energy parasite. Low-level intelligence hive mind beings created mainly from the trash heap of our unprocessed emotions, from fearful thinking and terror and so forth. So think of them as bugs that grew out of the trash we refuse to take out and burn. I've seen a great many in my time doing energy work, you know. People with mental health issues have them. People with a strong sense of victimhood have them. I see them in memory care homes and in poorly run homes for the elderly. I certainly see them in state-run mental health institutions. Those places are hotbeds of activity for these entities. 
And they're attracted to people who, for whatever reason, are not in full control of their minds. Again, they're hive mind bugs, not individualized souls with individualized pineal glands. So you can compare them to locust hordes and other parasites that descend on unattended crops and feed voraciously and then leave, pooping their big meal as they fly away to feed once again elsewhere. Now, they don't have very long lifespans, but creating them, you know, is something humankind is good at. They don't attach to happy people. They don't attach to people in their right minds. They're not attracted to cool, calm objectivity. They're not attracted to those with a strong sense of sovereignty. Can they be cleared out, cleared away? Yes, uh, of course they can, thankfully, because I make my living clearing them out. They can be cleared out the same way pest controllers clear out our physical bugs. But instead of toxic chemicals, of course, we use the divine light. I've done this job professionally for over four decades and counting, and I'm not saying I've seen and done and know it all, far from, but I have a great deal of experience and I have trained myself never to feel or take on the pain of others. That said, I confess one of the most painful things for me to witness is an aging person disenfranchised from family and friends in a memory care facility deep into dementia or Alzheimer's with the hippocampus beginning to shrink and you see the timelines dissolve and the memories run into each other. And when it gets to that point, the bugs can be relentless. And in most cases, the affected person can see them because one part of the brain atrophies, it seems, and the other part opens up, allowing them to see the non-physical. And the trauma of losing one's mind is bad enough. But to see the entities nibbling away at you and nobody else sees them, that just breaks my heart still to this day. If you have a family member in one of these institutions, or better still, in the early stages of cognitive decline before they're institutionalized, please call me. I can advise you on how to lessen the horror of these modern diseases. And if you run one of these institutions, it would benefit you and your team and your patients greatly to have me or someone like me come out and clear the promises. Oh, the premises. Yes, I promise I will clear your premise. Good questions, Jeanette. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Let's take another question uh, or whatever it is from the fishbowl of perpetual perplexitaire. And this is from Omit Personal Details, who asks, Dear Ani, a tough question I've had on my mind. How do I prepare myself to kill? I have a hard time killing spiders and mice. How will I kill a fellow human, a neighbor who is hungry and desperate and wants to take my food, or a soldier following orders, attacking my homestead? They are my brothers. I am no martyr, but I am also not an idiot. My family comes first, and I have worked hard and spent a lot of time and money prepping. I find myself needing to get ready and strengthen my mind and do I shield my soul from the possible future of harming other humans? I'd appreciate any words on the subject. Dear Omit, darling, you are not preparing to kill. You are preparing to and planning on staying alive. I cannot stress this enough. We don't shoot to kill. We are not snipers. We are not assassins. We shoot to protect ourselves and our families. The difference sounds subtle, but it is significant. Assuming you have children, Omit, what action are you prepared to take to keep them from harm? 
pretty much anything and everything. You are not preparing to kill. That is a whole other mindset and a whole other skill set. You are preparing sensibly for emergencies. It is a sane and sensible course of action. A little good advice for you, though, um, with the whole prepping thing. Don't share details. Do as much as you can quietly, as quietly as possible. Underplay the extent of your supplies and underplay your firearms training. In such matters, matters of life and death, any soldier will tell you that the element of surprise often wins the day. Ultimately, no one can adequately prepare us for life or death scenarios. As you stated in your letter, will it be a soldier of the state or a hungry and desperate citizen? Maybe it'll be a hungry, feral dog. We don't know. So keep a low profile, train regularly, maintain good situational awareness, keep your food prep clean and tidy, keep your powder dry and your vibration high. The correct mindset is essential. Say a little prayer, too, something along the lines of, Lord, keep my home safe and secure. Let all who enter be clean and pure. I bless my land and name it yours. Place angels at my windows and doors. Should the day come when there is trouble, hide my home in a golden bubble. And should that fail, Lord, I still love you and give thanks for my training and my pew, pew, pew. Instead of thinking of a prepped home as a fortress, I like to think of it as an oasis of light in a different timeline, a higher vibration realm. I'm a prepper too, but not because I fear what may come, because I have no idea what's coming. I prep because in an uncertain, unstable world, it is the sensible thing to do. Omit, I have this sort of sense that you are a mother. I might be wrong, but I feel this strongly. And as a mother, believe me, you will do the right thing at the right time, and you will do it for the right reasons, and you will not hesitate. And something else I just want to impress upon you. If someone values your property more than their own life, it's on them, not on you. Do what you need to do to protect your family from insanity, and do not overthink it. Okay, now we're going to continue with this, but I just have to share something with you. I received a gorgeous Halloween card from Barbara in Zanesville, Ohio. It's a handmade card from her studio, and it's absolutely beautiful. She sent a lovely note with it saying how much she enjoys the show and all of the shows on Cosmic Reality Radio. And Barbara, you made my day. The day I received it, I was having a rough time. I lost another friend to turbo cancer. Um, I was exhausted from my recent trip to California. I was feeling more than a little low. And you cheered me up and you got me moving again. And this card, which is gorgeous, by the way, is now a permanent part of my All Hallows Eve decorations and will be displayed each and every year during the spooky season. Thank you, Barbara. God bless you and all who sail with you. And I will take you up on your offer of lunch together the next time you're in Oregon. I'll look forward to that. So give me a call. I think we can take another question um, or maybe a couple of short ones. Let's let's shake up the fishbowl and see what happens. Oh, yes, I, I think I remember. this is from Nostradamus. Um, I think you've reincarnated and written to us before, but very good of you to reincarnate one more time and drop us a line. Nostradamus says, I predict doom and gloom for the planet. 
I know I am right. Damn it. They openly cheat, steal and mock us. The curse of darkness is here and upon us. Evil in action and folks turn their heads. They see no reason to leave their warm beds. There is no redemption. The power is lost. The mark of the beast is too firmly embossed. Wow, Nostradamus, I see you're still writing your quatrains. Um, here's my response. Mm. Man, that was depressing. What a miserable point of view. What are you thinking? Your cowardice is too easily bought. Your surrender stinks of cow poo. If you had but one ounce of courage, if you had the guts to stand tall, the light you would not disparage and you might grow a pair of good balls. We didn't come down to earth at this pivotal time to cower before the illusion created by the dark ones, darling. Those who turn their backs on all the things divine and now rely on fear to feed their parasitic desires. Chin up, Nostradamus, the light will always trump the dark and this planet, while I agree, is experiencing embarrassing levels of cowardice and feeble-mindedness is nowhere near lost. Great awakenings don't happen overnight. They're typically messy affairs. And it is during such times that we see the difference between those who wish to thrive and those who wish to bend the knee just to be slaves and survive. Choose wisely, Nostradamus. We're playing for keeps. And let's do one more. And this is a short one from Mona in Boise, Idaho, who writes, Dear Astani, I know we are gods in bods. But once in a while, I need a little boost. I often turn to scripture to help me through the day. Is this a weakness on my part? I feel such pain for the younger generation. They have lost their spiritual center. They are taught nonsense. And when they speak, they strut around like arrogant parrots, repeating the nonsense they are taught. Mona, darling, no, it's not a weakness. Why would you even think that? When we feel unsettled, the best thing we can do is find a way to get back to center. And if scripture helps you do that, go for it with bells on. We are all on this roller coaster right now, and we could all use a little boost. So my favorite Psalm is Psalm um, 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Use the scripture boost. It works. And thank you for writing in. And I think we'll leave it there today for quack. Um, you know, thank you. A big thank you to our listeners for taking the time to write in and share concerns with us. If you're listening in on Cosmic Reality Radio channel, there is a chat feature. You can sign in or visit as a guest and you can connect with like-minded people 24-7. Cosmic Reality Radio has promoted awareness, critical thinking, and spirit-centered right-minded action for many years. So, go to CosmicReality.com, check it out. And if you want to join the Martini Head Revolution, you can join my Telegram group. 
Onimad Shaman Abedician Chat, a social support group for fun-loving, spirit-centered patriots. Onimad Shaman Abedician Chat is the place to be, along with Cosmic Reality Radio Chat, if you want America to remain free. Okay, people, it is now time for awesome American civics. And because civics has not been taught for some time in our schools, and that's obvious, I want to go back to basics and teach it from old school textbooks. I don't claim to be anything resembling an expert on civics, but I am a proud and dedicated American citizen, and I believe the Constitution is a work of art. And I will, damn it, I will not stand by and see it destroyed by those who value nothing beyond profit and instant gratification of their base desires. So let's all pretend we are 14 years old and learning about sovereignty for the first time. Okay, class, are you sitting comfortably? Good. Now, now put down your cocktails, children. I'm the only one who's old enough to drink here. Open your textbook titled We the People, the Citizen and the Constitution and go to chapter two. Ready? Let's begin. Our form of government is based on a set of ideas. These ideas establish what the purpose of government should be and what kind of government is best. Today, we will focus on ideas that were important to the founders, and in particular, we will focus on natural rights. Our founders were educated men who enjoyed studying history and philosophy. One philosopher who influenced the founders greatly was Mr. John Locke, an English bloke, um, who lived from 1632 to 1704. In his book, Two Treatises of Government, which he wrote in 1689, he explains, and does it very well, he explains natural rights. And this book was very popular reading in colonial America. Locke asked what life might be like if man were to live in a state of nature. He didn't mean in the wilderness, drinking from the stream and digging latrines and avoiding bear attacks, he saw the state of nature as a condition in which no governments or laws existed. Now, class, let's explore that a little bit, shall we? Imagine you have all the resources you need to maintain life and, if managed well, a good life. But there is no government. There is no rule of law because there are no laws. No one tells you what to do. And no one, by the way, is designated to protect you. Here are some points to ponder, and I think this would make a very good family game um, for people over the holidays instead of Scrabble and Monopoly, okay? What might be some advantages and disadvantages to living in a state of nature? It's not an easy question for a 21st century human to answer because we've grown accustomed to convenience and instant gratification. But unless we allow ourselves to discuss such ideas, mankind will forever be at the mercy of mainstream media manipulation. And I, for one, have grown weary of watching the human race ignore its cosmic potential in favor of strutting around like so many walking mind control parrots. So, what might be some advantages and disadvantages to living in a state of nature? What rights, if any, might you expect to have in a state of nature? Our rights are inherent, some would say God-given. 
But mankind today has grown accustomed to government telling it what its rights are. Clearly, this is something we must reverse. So what rights, if any, might you expect to have in a state of nature? What might people who are stronger or smarter than others try to do and why? And what might people who are weaker and less skilled than others try to do and why? Now, can you imagine what life would be like if we lived in this state of nature? Can you step back from modern life and take a good stab at the question? So you want to take your time with these exercises because they're points to ponder either alone or in group discussion. These are not yes or no quick picks. Something else to consider along the lines of John Locke, would anyone have the right to govern you? And would you have the right to govern anyone else? And why? What steps would you take to protect your life, your property, and any threat to your God-given liberty? Locke wanted to answer these very important life questions. What is human nature? Are people mainly interested in their own welfare or do they lean toward caring for the good of others? And an all important question, what should be the main purpose of government? We've really lost track of that, haven't we? What should be the main purpose of government? How do people who run government get the right to govern? What kinds of government should the people support and obey? And what kinds of governments should the people resist? Hint, hint, the one we have now. But I'm not here to put ideas in your head. Well, actually, I am. I'm just not here to give you answers. The founders and framers discussed and debated John Locke's answers to these questions in great detail. Locke's ideas were used in the Declaration of Independence to explain why Americans were opposed to British rule in the colonies. After the Revolutionary War, the same ideas were used to write the state constitutions. The idea of natural rights, the philosophy of natural rights, greatly influenced the type of government we have today, not the puppet administration of the fake Biden and the New World Order bootlickers. I mean, the government we are supposed to have and support. John Locke reasoned that in a state of nature, all people seek to have the following rights. Life. What does that mean? People want to survive. People want to be as free as possible from threats to their lives. Liberty. People want to be as free as possible. People want to be able to make up their own decisions and live as they please. And property. People want to own things that are necessary for survival. Food, houses, tools, land. People want the freedom to work and to gain economic benefits. Natural rights means that anyone has the right 
to life, liberty, and property just because they are human beings. The founders concluded that life, liberty, and property are not man-made. Our rights are based on the law of nature, endowed by the creator with basic rights, basic rights that no one may take away. You see, Locke believed that people at their core are reasonable and good. He believed they have a conscience which guides them to respect the rights of others. But people are also driven by self-interest. And this can lead to mm, unreasonable behaviors. The stronger may overpower the weaker, and perhaps it would benefit the weaker to form an alliance with the stronger. What we're talking about here, because, oh my Lord, people, we are in one heck of a mess, aren't we, really? We're talking about the nature of man as man evolves. Locke suggested that in a state of nature, the potential for insecurity might run high. And that is why man formed governments, because clearly governments did not exist until we created them. But he believed it should be government by consent. If the people have not given their consent, there is no legitimate government. Today's current puppet administration was not elected by consent. Move on, Ani. <laughs> government by consent is considered a social contract. As long as the rights to life, liberty, property, and of course, happiness are not infringed, and as long as the government works for the good of the people and only for the good of the people and the betterment of the nation, the people consent to abide by the rules. The purpose of government is to protect our rights, our inherent rights, our sovereignty. How did we get so hosed up? We have this massive government now, corrupt to the core, who absolutely poops on the notion of sovereignty. So here's another little parlor game for your family. List five things you think all people in our nation should have. And, you know, five rights. List five rights that you think all people in our nation should have. And discuss why you think these rights are important. And arrange your rights in order of their importance. And explain your ranking system. I've tried this with a few young adults. And they're very confused about their rights. They don't seem to think they have any, really. And that troubles me deeply. I'm not talking about 14-year-olds. God, I mean, that's a whole other thing. But I'm talking about people between 20 and 30 who think that people like me are just conspiracy theorists. But um, how are they going to accept it when the great reveal happens? I, I, you know, list your rights. You'll be so surprised. Ask members of your family to, to list their rights and uh, let me know how that goes. Then you want to ask what might you, Jane or Joe Citizen, do in order to protect those rights? 
So, Klaus, if you're still there, to recap before we break for recess, can you answer the following questions? What are natural rights? How do people get their natural rights? What might life be like for people living in a state of nature? And where does government get its right to govern according to the natural rights philosophy? Can you explain what a social contract is? And can you explain the purpose of government according to the philosophy of John Locke? So I was routing around a little bit because I decided that American history, civics, constitution, and all things American are going to be my new hobby and will take up most of my time now going forward. Um, I found that the earliest social contract written for modern America was written by the people on board the Mayflower, and it's called the Mayflower Compact, and it was signed before the ship docked at Plymouth in 1620. It was a, a rather turbulent journey. I don't mean just the waves. Um, they had some problems on that journey. But the Mayflower Compact was a set of rules for self-governance established by the English settlers who traveled to the New World on the Mayflower. So when the pilgrims and other settlers set out on the ship for America in 1620, they intended to lay anchor in northern Virginia. But after, you know, they had a lot of storms and it drove their ship off course and the settlers landed in Massachusetts near Cape Cod outside of Virginia's jurisdiction. And knowing life without laws could prove catastrophic, the colonial leaders created the, I mean, the, the colonials aboard the Mayflower, their leaders, created the Mayflower Compact to ensure a functioning social structure would prevail. And it was signed on November the 11th, 1620, by 41 adult male colonists, including two indentured servants. Um, and it wasn't called the Compact at the time. I can't remember what it was called. But the gist of it is that the colonists would remain loyal subjects to King James, despite their need for self-governance that the colonists would create and enact laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, um, and officers for the good of the colony and abide by those laws. The colonists would create one society and work together to further it, and the colonists would live in accordance with the Christian faith. And I'm going to read it to you because I have a copy in front of me. In the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland King, defender of the faith, blah, 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 having undertaken for the glory of God and advancements of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these presents solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid and by virtue hereof to enact constitute and frame such just and equal laws ordinances acts constitutions and offices 
from time to time, as shall be thought most meet and convenient for the general good of the colony, unto which we promise all due submission and obedience. In witness whereof, we have hereunto subscribed our names at Cape Cod, the 11th of November, in the year of the reign of our dread sovereign Lord, James of England, France and Ireland, the 18th and of Scotland, the 54th, 1620, blah, 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 blah. You see, my darlings, the world is in a mess right now because we strayed from the most basic principles of what sovereignty means and how it works in a rapidly expanding society. I urge you all to teach your children and each other the principles upon which America was founded. And to anyone out there who's smirking and saying, oh, but slavery, oh, but grow up. That was then, and this is now, and we don't have slavery now, not that type of slavery anyway, because we evolved and we were doing so well coming together as a nation until the corrupt ones were caught with their pants down and then all heck broke loose over the last seven years. We have witnessed an embarrassment of intellectual, intellectual pauperism, communism, fascism, medically induced autism, manipulated schisms, and I've run out of isms. It is time to make America gorgeous again. And it starts by studying our history and learning the true meaning of individual sovereignty and reclaiming our minds and our place at the table as committed citizens. Next show, on the next show, we will discuss the merits of a Republican government. And I don't mean the political party because all parties are shit at this point. I mean, we will discuss the concept of a republic. Well, thanks for listening to that. And now I think perhaps we need a little light-hearted poetry followed by a very big sip of my drinky poo. So here's something I wrote uh, the other day, halfway through a large whiskey sour. <laughs> uh, yes, folks, after a hard day's shamaning, I like nothing better than coming home, putting my feet up, having a nice cup of tea or a small drinky poo, and writing really weird, non-peer-reviewed kind of silly poetry. So this one, is called The Holidays Are Here. And here we go. <clears throat> me, me, me. Thank you very much. The holidays are here. Oh, joy and frustration. I want to be of good cheer, despite the rampant inflation. I won't be giving gifts because people are too silly. They keep creating rifts saying women can have willies. Whatever faith you follow, you are free to indulge in. Be it Jesus or Apollo, your rights are underpinned. Please enjoy the season without fear of reprisal. You don't need a reason, just ignore the mass despisal. No faith is right or wrong and all paths point to peace. Let's all just get along. Please let the bickering cease. You know, I know New World Order wants their one world government, one religion, one currency, one this, one that, something that they're going to make up. And of course it is Luciferianism um, with sort of a, a fine veneer of something they might call uh, 
altruistic or, you know, or, or, or civilized. At some point or another, all these religions are going to fade away anyway, but it's important that we do that ourselves, not the new world order. There's a very big difference. So if you feel that Christianity is being attacked, yeah, I'm sure it is. Perhaps Islam's being attacked. Everything is being attacked. Everybody is attacking everything all over the place. It's just attack, attack, attack. So what you need to do is, number one, take a sip of this drink. <clears throat> take some deep breaths and remind yourselves that first and foremost, you are source energy and you are playing a game called World of Earthcraft. Don't take it so seriously, but play it sensibly. Sweethearts, what other advice can I give you today? Over the holidays, be nice to each other. You know, many people only see each other at major holidays. And then people tend to drink too much. And then we get into all of these arguments. And then they're very happy not to see each other for another year. I don't think we've ever had as much polarity in my lifetime than we have in this moment. So let's choose to look at each other and go, you are source energy having an experience. I am source energy having an experience. Let's not talk about the things that are inflammatory if we can't talk about it in a cool and calm way. Well, sweethearts, darlings, I think we're going to wrap it up pretty quickly. I think that's pretty much it for today's shows. We do have a few little minutes, so I'm you know, quietly finishing my drink because that means the end of the show. I do hope you enjoyed listening in as much as I enjoyed recording it because I had a blast. And if you didn't enjoy it, well, I suppose you've just wasted a whole hour of your life. And why would you do that? Again, thank you to everyone who writes in. Wouldn't really have a show without you. And I'm very happy to say that, well, the quality of the questions that we're getting now, um, that's really improving. I can see that many of you are taking some very, very deep dives. I can also see that some of you are completely exhausted and off your rockers. Um, and I really do want to share some of those crazy questions on the next show. But today's A Real Life Cocktail was, wait for it, a sherry martini. And here's how you make it. Two tablespoons Lillet Blanc, a delightful aperitif. A quarter of a cup of vodka. <laughs> I use Tito as, uh, you know, I have um, an open bottle. Uh, I have many open bottles, actually. Three tablespoons of Amontillado Sherry. I'm currently using Lastaulos Arcos because someone gave it to me. A dash of Angostura bitters. You want a little orange peel for decoration, you know, for dressing. And what you do is you take the first four ingredients and you put them all into an ice-filled cocktail shaker, and you shakey-shakey, shakey-shakey, and you strain into a chilled martini glass. Not frozen, just chilled. And then garnish it with the orange peel, and serve it immediately, and sip it slowly, and definitely contemplate, you know, cosmic creation, because it's very nice. You'll be very happy with this one, and you'll be surprised at how the sherry 
brings out the best in the other ingredients. Many people think sherry is something you drink on its own, but it's very versatile. In the summer, I drink sherry in a highball glass with ice all the way up to the top and just pour the sherry on top, the dry sherry, and put in a little drop or two or, yeah, well, okay, I'll be honest, half a shot of the sweeter sherry on the top and float it. I call that my ghostbuster. Sherry is very versatile. Go look up sherry cocktails. Now, it is my duty to say, remember, folks, cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top shelf ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. Over Christmas, you're allowed two, but generally one drink is all you need. I am Arnie, mad as the day is long, Avidician. This was a metaphysical martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful until we meet again. Don't stand back and complain about the corruption. Get out there and do something about it. Get involved in local politics. Do whatever you can, whatever you're good at, to make America gorgeous again. And darlings, it all starts by letting the spirit inhabit the human. have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini with Ani Apodician, The Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com.